after spending a lot of money on attorneys and consultants and rules and regulations and licenses, we were up and running and live, but it just got to the point where it was, we were just going to spend so much more money on this that it wasn't worth it. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever, stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm on a mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. To join me, go to myworstinvestmentever.com and sign up for our free weekly Become a Better Investor newsletter where I share how to reduce risk and create, grow, and protect your wealth. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Academy. And I'm here with featured guests, Larry Shumbras. Larry, are you ready to join the mission? I am ready and willing. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to get you on the show. We just had a really nice talk. So I understand what you're doing. And I remember one of my first bosses in the business in 1993, really brilliant guy. And uh, he said, and he's accumulated a lot of money from his brilliance. And about five years ago, I asked him, what are you interested in these days? What are you investing in? He said, Andrew, I'm long compliance. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I like that. So for the audience, you're going to understand what I mean by that when I introduce Larry and we have our discussion. As an accomplished entrepreneur and respected leader in the fintech industry, Larry's mission is to continuously enhance the investing experience for both advisors and investors through innovative technology. He's recognized as an industry expert and has over 20 years of fintech experience with companies such as Charles Schwab, Morningstar, and New York Life Investments. Larry, take a minute and tell us about the unique value you are bringing to this wonderful world. Well, that's a great question. I'll tell you a quick story. Why, almost like What's your why? The whole Simon mm -hmm. Sinek thing. Yep. Back in 2008, which everyone knows was, you know, in 2009 were great years, of course, right? During Great Recession. My second child was born, my son, and he was born with what they call Vodder syndrome. So it was um, some health issues, right? Medical issues. So at the time, I'm in finance. My wife's working full time. We have a daughter. And you get this curveball where your son's born which is supposed to be exciting, which it was, but then you find out that there's all these all these medical issues. So, you know, a long story short, over hundreds of procedures, I took a step back and said, how do we adjust our financial plan? What do we need to do to change that? What do we, you know, how do we learn about all these, you know, birth defects that he has and how to improve or solve for them? So, you know, two things that, that I was thinking about, you know, during that time is, Going forward in my career, what could I give back to you know the community, the investors? How do I take this knowledge of what I'm going to experience and learn over the next you know decade or so and bring that to the forefront in technology? Right. Mm -hmm. And whereas my, my wife was like, I'm just gonna be you know out there on social media to help any other parent that has a child that's born with this get through that process. So you know, with the last two companies, my last one that, that I built was Totem Risk. It was really focused on helping investors invest better around their risk tolerance, which was not just looking at their, their preference or perception of risk, 
but the risk capacity to show them where they should be investing based on their life situation or what we call human capital factors. And then, you know, the shift over to compliance after I sold that company was how do I help advisors be compliant and not just sit there on their phone texting a client something that they shouldn't be texting. So it was, again, enhancing you know, some issues out there to help the end investor overall. And that's really the value that I try to bring to every product and company that I build. Mm. And tell us about your current business and kind of what you're doing, just so that the audience really understands what your business is about. Yeah, sure. So in the financial sector here in the United States and, and other countries as well, the SEC and FINRA have rules and regulations around how these financial institutions, the employees communicate with their clients or investors. And if they send out anything via email, social media, on the website, they put anything on their website or through any type of text mechanism, all that information has to be monitored, archived, and stored by their compliance team for at least six years. So what we've built is a new, modern, easy-to-use platform for financial advisors, compliance officers, and any employee that is helping monitor the whole process of communication or e-communication and discovery compliance and surveillance. So that's that's pre-results today. The one thing that we've we've heard in the industry, and what I I also do when I look to build a company is listen to the end user or ask questions to the end user to find out what is the problem and try to solve that and help them with that. And that's that's what we're doing here. Our pre-results is building that that a more efficient compliant tool for the financial advisor, compliance officer, and end user. And Where's the best way for people to learn more about it? I mean, I'll put links in the show notes and, you know, you've got an excellent video that I I watch just to understand your business that explains it in, you know, a less than a minute or so, but maybe, maybe just tell us where, where people should go to to learn more. Yeah. You could go to prezults.com to sign up for and schedule a demo, watch one of the videos that we have posted there. It gives you a high level overview. And the spelling of pre-results is results with a P at the beginning. So pre-results.com. Uh, be happy to, again, schedule a meeting with anyone through through our site or just, you know, poke around and, and see if there's any an interest for you and your company. Yeah. So if any of the listeners out there are in the finance industry, which I know I have a lot of listeners that are, and you're looking for options, here's one to consider. Well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Great. So as an entrepreneur, it's going to be an entrepreneur story of starting a company because not every entrepreneur, I don't know any entrepreneurs at least that haven't failed at least once, right? (laughs) If not twice. So this was my fail and my worst investment. And it was all around the hype around Bitcoin, right? So I had the idea of, you know, building a hedge fund that is 50% tied to gold, digital gold, and 50% tied to the top five cryptocurrencies based on market cap, right? So this is back in 2017. I put a lot of time and money into it. I had another business partner that was putting time and money into it as well. We even had some friends and family money tied into this <laughs> a little bit. And it was, I remember going to the first conference that was held down in Miami, Florida and walking in 
and I had a suit on, like I've gone to every other financial trade show or conference. And it looked like the fraternity just like got out. I was like, oh, I'm, this is not good. Like (laughs) I just had, I had chills down my back going, this is not good. This whole thing is not going to to work out well. That ZZ Top song that says everybody's crazy about a sharp dressed man just isn't going to work. That's right. Oh, so walking around that conference just opened up my eyes to realize that the 99% of the people there had no idea even what how financial anything product worked or the process of even getting on a platform, let alone just technology, right? And it's, the technology wasn't even that great. So at that time, we were going through the process. We completed, fast forward, we completed the PPM, spent a lot of money on it. What's a PPM? Private placement memorandum. Okay. <laughs> To put out to actually sell the product and have investors review it, the, the whole process. So number one, we didn't have a track record. Number two, we couldn't sell it in the United States. And number three, how are we going to distribute it in other countries? And then other countries had their own rules and regulations. So after spending a lot of money on attorneys and consultants and rules and regulations and licenses, we were up and running and live, but it just got to the point where it was we were just going to spend so much more money on this that it wasn't worth it. And there was nothing really happening in the U.S. around any new rules or regulation or compliance. So we shut it down. <laughs> we, we lost the money, shut it down. And even, you know, I have to say, it wasn't completely shut down because once the PPM's there, you could do something with it. So early last year, a few of my colleagues in the industry that knew the digital cryptocurrency space kind of played around again to see if we could get it up and running if there was any anything worth it worth you know of this ppm and what we what i quickly found out was nothing's changed since 2017 and i'm like we're not doing anything we're not spending any money on this let's just shut it down i'm not even going to look at it and that's what we did so that's my biggest investment loss was trying to get into crypto hedge fund, <laughs> trying to launch it. And how long was it before from when you started the idea and you started working on it till you shut it down? Oh, at least a year and a half. Mm. I'd say a good year and a half, almost two years before we were just like, that's it. And were it you down. working on it full time or just on the side? Just on the side, just on the side when I had time. And I would have shut it down earlier if I if it was full time from, mm. from what I experienced. Yeah, it was... It was a rough go. So how would you summarize the lessons you learned? (laughs) Oh, well, the lessons I learned, number one, is don't try to build an investment product or tool around an unregulated industry, right? Mm. That was the biggest lesson I learned, right? Right. Yeah, if it was an ETF, it's different, right? They're regulated. It came out. It was all approved through the SEC. Until the SEC approved something, it's really... It was a big risk and we knew it, but at the end of the day, it was a also a good lesson learned that make mm. sure that your industry is regulated and it's and you could sell it. Maybe I'll share a few <laughs> things about your story that kind of stand out to me. Well, one of the things that's interesting is that Thailand came out with a digital asset law very quickly and built a framework of regulation. And so Thailand has exchanges that are regulated by the regulator here. So it's a little bit different than, let's say, you just get this impression from the U.S. that 
all the regulators doing is doing nothing and waiting until people step out of line and then slamming them down and then scaring the hell out of everybody else. And they're waiting for the shakeout until there's, I don't know, let's say there's five survivors maybe. And then from those five, you know, they'll try to knock them down. If they can't knock them down any further, then they'll say, okay, now we'll come up with a regulatory framework or I don't know. That's kind of my observation of what I see happening in the U.S. Any any observation from your side about how they're viewing crypto? Like, is that the idea? Especially as you've just said, nothing's changed. Well, it also doesn't help when you have FTX come out and like yeah. be very fraudulent and, and lose all that money. So that's not helping the cause to to get any regulation set or or time spent around it. Yeah, but I, I think you're right. I think they're they're kind of like waiting to see. Let it kind of narrow down, let the, the bad ones kind of fall out. But the one thing that I see in the industry is that there's a lot of cryptocurrencies out there that have great technology that mm. don't need to be a cryptocurrency. They should just be a tech company. Yeah. Their blockchain and their technology is superior to a lot of things I see out there. And if they just focused on that and not be not add the token or the crypto side, I think they'd be a great company. So maybe that'll play out and then it'll narrow it down to, you know, 10 or 20 like true cryptocurrency products that are supposed to be a currency where a mm. lot of them, I don't think they're really currency. They're more like a company, a tech company that should just stick to selling their product, right? Instead of selling a token. Yeah. That's just my opinion. The other lesson that I take from your message is that, you know, when we're in startup business and all that, you know, number one thing is get your revenue up as fast as possible. Yes. And Absolutely. when you have a government entity that is basically doing everything they possibly can to prevent you from getting revenue, maybe it's not a great place to start up a company. I mean, you That's can take right. on a regulator <laughs> at some point and some people have, but from a startup perspective, you know, revenue is everything. And if you see obstacles to getting that revenue, particularly government or regulatory obstacles, then it's probably not a great place to play. No, and that was definitely a lesson learned and noted. So <laughs> the good thing is I had another company that I was running at the time that was a lot more successful. And this company that I'm working on now that we're working on my team is very successful and, and we're proud of what we're doing. And mm. we're in the regulation part. We're working with and around SEC rules and FINRA rules and regulations. So if you can't uh, beat not them. going against them ever. <laughs> If you can't beat them, join them. That's right. right. So Absolutely. <laughs> based on what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, let's think about some of our listeners and viewers out there who are coming up with interesting ideas, not bad ideas. You know, your idea wasn't bad, but what one action would you recommend they take to avoid suffering the same fate? Well, whether you're an entrepreneur or just an investor, it's wise to invest in what you know, right? Just an example, if you shop at Target a lot, mm -hmm. right? And you know that Target is you know one of those places where you see it's pretty busy all the time, you may want to look into investing in Target or an ETF or a mutual fund that has Target as one of the top 10 holdings. Mm -hmm. You know, so even ESG that's out right now, you know, that's a big talk. Any type of environmental, you know, social governance that you believe in, right? You could back that and invest in something like that. But at the end of the day, invest in something you know, and that is regulated. Don't invest in something you don't know. So mm -hmm. if you don't know anything about private equity 
or derivatives or options, don't do it, right? Learn it first, learn how it works, and then then look to invest in it. Yep. So what's a resource that you'd recommend for our listeners? Oh, wow. To review any type of investment, you could go to any of the large financial institutions, right? Schwab, Fidelity, Vanguard, mm. JP Morgan Chase, they all have a lot of plethora of information out there to learn about investments. But more importantly, if you don't really have a passion for, for investments, partner with the financial advisor, right? They'll help you along the way, not only invest, but invest to plan for any life events and goals going forward. And you'll be supporting that financial advisor to, to make sure that they're giving you good advice or not doing stupid things. So that's good Absolutely. and that's helpful. All right, last yes. question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? Yeah, my number one goal is to get to profitability, number one. And that, I think, is easily our, our number one goal here at Prezolts. We're, we're growing fast. We're doing a lot of great things. We're adding the right channels, connections. Number one goal is definitely profitability. Number two is to install the you know, machine learning use cases in AI to really widen that moat around our company. So we are the leader in the industry. Fantastic. Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. Remember, I'm on a mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. If you've not yet joined that mission, just go to myworstinvestmentever.com and join my free weekly Become a Better Investor newsletter to reduce risk in your life. As we conclude, Larry, I want to thank you again for joining our mission. And on behalf of ASTOTS Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? No, thank you for your time. If you're an advisor, check out prezolts.com. And if you're an investor, do your homework. <laughs> Amen. And that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our well fellow risk takers. Let's celebrate that today. We added one more person to our mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on the upside.